Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of The Package Tourist, hosted by yours truly, The Package Tourist and the Magical Mystery Tour called Life, Matthew DBI's. Tonight's guest is a dear friend of mine and author and novelist, Neil Perry Gordon. Neil lives in New York, and during the past three years, Neil has released nine books, A Cobbler's Tale, Moonflower, The Righteous One, The Bomb Squad, Hope City, Sadie Sin, Cape Nome, Otzi's Odyssey, and three weeks ago, his final volume in his Goldfield trilogy, Denali. Tonight, we will be discussing his latest release, Denali, where Neil will share with us the latest adventures of his hero from the Goldfield trilogy, Percy Hope. Neil, welcome back to the show. You're the second guest in the history of my show to have earned three appearances, so it's great to have you back. <laughs> Thank you for that honor. Yeah, and I have a sneaky feeling that next year you'll be the first to have four appearances on my show, and I hope right. that happens, okay? Me too. Neil, please tell our listeners about your latest release, Denali. Please tell us, what's it all about? Well, it's the third leg of the, of the trilogy of the Alaskan Adventures of Percy Hope. He um, is headed to New York. At the end of book two, he finds out that um, Peggy, who was his love interest, and uh, among other things in book two, uh, has moved on to New York, and he finds out that he has a child with her, which he didn't know. So uh, Wyatt Earp actually tells him about it at the end of book two. So in book three, he's off to New York, um, but he's also off with um, a bounty of gold that was given to him by the, the um, three lucky Swedes who had the uh, gold claim in, in Cape Nome and made a fortune. Uh, and this gold was for Magda Zega, who was uh, one of my main characters in the first two books as well. Uh, they, would give, they gave him the, the, the gold as a gift, and he was. And since Magnus has now passed, he's going to bring that gold to his father in Chicago. So they end up going to Chicago, and once he's there, um, they discover a journal written by Magnus of something that happened years before Percy met him in Nome. So we have two, two concurrent stories going on in Denali, like we had in the first two books. Um, Magnus Vegas story and Percy Hope's story. Um, so, but Magnus is actually dead, um, but he's, he's alive in, in terms of his journal. And we track his adventure in his, in his journal that brings him up to Denali, formerly Mount McKinley. Yeah. Um, the originally, the, the Mount McKinley it was, it was renamed Mount McKinley. Now it's been renamed back to its original indigenous name Denali. Um, and under Denali, there's these ice caves. Um, these spiritual ice caves that uh, Magnus is is um, brought to, um, and um, something happens to him there, which then uh, pushes Percy to find out what it is. Uh, and so we have this adventure that travels across the country from Chicago to New York to the Lower East Side in 1901, um, where he is. <clears throat> mixes himself up with gangsters. Peggy actually gets herself mixed up with gangsters and and Percy's got to rescue her. He ends up in Philadelphia and Washington, D.C. And then back across country. And we have Wyatt Earp again in the story. And um, yeah, lots of intrigue, lots of adventure, gangsters, some spiritual metaphysical elements to it, like all my novels. And um, yeah, it's a big, wide, sweeping tale. 
when our previous interviews, I never really asked you, can we, let's go into depth about Peggy Greenberg, because as you say, she's a recurring character and he's Percy Hope's love interest. Can you give us a portrait of her? What does she look like? I mean, is she blonde, brunette? How did those two get involved with those another? How did they get involved with each other? Well, um, Peggy is Josie Earp's niece. So, you know, Wyatt Earps and Josie are, so it's her niece. Um, Peggy loses her parents, um, both her parents and her sisters in a, in a terrible accident. And so uh, Josie be sort of, you know, takes her under her wing and becomes very motherly to her. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's a little bit of her backstory without giving away too much. Um, but yeah, they meet in Nome, actually meet right in the beginning of, of the novel, uh, Peggy's going to Nome to open up a woman's clothing store. Um, actually, that's true. And there was a Peggy Greenberg. She was Josie's niece. She did go to Nome in 1900 to open up a woman's clothing store. Of course, there was no Percy Hope. Um, but they did, in my story, they do meet. And and, and, and Peggy has a uh, rather <laughs> um, dubious um, uh, reputation, um, mostly for murder. Uh, murdering her husband in book two and, um, and other things that she gets herself involved in. But at the same time, Percy has this affinity towards her, though he is a guy who's always looking for the truth and is very innocent and naive in many ways. Um, but he's sort of, she's so beautiful and she's so alluring to him. Um, and he, you know, she, she's his first um, and um, becomes his, you know, his love interest, you know, from uh, regardless of torture that she puts in her are there any recurring bad guys from your earlier novels whom percy hope is first to confront in in the in denali um the recurring characters i mean wyatt does make an appearance um again in book three um a little bit of jack london as well um we have some new gangsters where i introduced in this book some chicago gangsters and new york gangsters and philadelphia gangsters um, uh, another big uh, historical figure is Mackenzie. Um, he was a um, prominent judge at the time and very involved with the um, uh, exploration and development of Alaska at that time as well. Mm. So he has a big influence in the story. Um, and so all sorts of, you know, connected ways um, between Percy and with Magnus. That's one of the big connections. Um, so, yeah, so we have some, yeah, I, I do, I, it's historical fiction, um, so I do weave in real historical figures and real events of the time in, in, within, my, within my fiction. Now, you stated earlier that uh, one, the, one of your characters explores these ice caves at the base of Denali there, and you talk about, uh, you know, mystical there now i i you talk in our previous interviews our previous two interviews you always you your novels always like to delve either jewish mysticism or some forms of mysticism when you were writing denali do you get i mean is this mysticism that you talk about is it kind of like uh shamanistic stuff you know based on as you know native american shamanism and all that because you know, in those in the Siberian region and you know the Eskimo and the, you know Arctic areas, there is a lot of shamanistic practices there. Do you incorporate that, that into Denali? Yes, I do. And um, in fact, there's three ice caves. I mean, the thing about an ice cave, it only exists in winter and summertime they melt, so they're never in the same place twice. Mm. 
So McKenzie wants to be the first man to, to scale the knowledge. Mm. No one has scaled it before. So, but he wants to make sure that there are no elements, even supernatural elements, that will prevent him from doing this. But there are. Uh, there are in these ice caves beneath Denali, so that's what draws magnets there to go and find out if there is, if indeed there is proof that there's some sort of supernatural elements there that, you know, has prevented someone from scaling the scaling um, Denali. So yeah, uh, and it's tied to the the, the the indigenous people of that area. Um, magnets has an indigenous guide, and when Percy eventually gets up to Denali, too, interacts with this same type of indigenous um, people. In fact, in book one, um, he also ends up, a lot of caves in my story, he also ends up in book one, um, Percy, and he's in, the, in these caves too with another shaman. Uh, and this shaman is a reoccurring figure throughout the three books uh, that, that sort of helps Percy along the way. Now, Neil, in your per did you tell me you've been to Alaska before? Have you physically been oh, there? Yeah. You have explored. Now, yeah, and actually, I'm going three years from today. I'm going up again. Um, I've been there about a dozen times. I'm very good friends there. I'm going up in three weeks, and actually, I'm going up now to promote my trilogy. Ooh, wow. um, I'm going to Hope, which the main, the first book is Hope City. Um, I've been to Hope, I've been to Nome, I've been to Denali, so I've been to the three places I've written about. You mean um, you actually climbed Denali? You mean you did it? No, no, I didn't climb Denali. Because that's, <laughs> um, hey, that's serious, crazy, man. Yeah. That's very serious. Yeah. yeah. We took a small plane and we flew around it, um, and I'm looking, I'm like, I don't know how anyone <laughs> would have the, you know, the chutzpah to climb such an incredible site. I mean, but people do it. I mean, of course, it's been scaled many times yeah. since Mackenzie tried. Um, but when you look at it, you know, it's not possible. Because, you know, it's a sheer ice wall. Yeah. It's, it's quite, it's quite promoting. So you've never been to the base of Nali. I forget climbing the mountain. How about exploring the Cahiltna Glacier? Uh, have you ever done that on ground? Yes, yes, yes. We've been on a glacier. When I say we, my friend Tom has taken the, yeah. Um, actually, we can hike to a glacier from his cabin. Wow. Um, yeah, so we can get there. We can actually hike to a glacier. Uh, and, we've, and we flew over glaciers as well. We've taken seaplanes out of Anchorage Airport, flew to a fishing spot where they have, um, you know, you, you, everyone lines up in a boat, and you take a turn. Because the, the closest boat to the mouth of the river is where the salmon is going upstream, and that's the best salmon fishing, but at the same time, as we're lined up, seven, eight boats in a row, every 20 minutes, the boat goes around, and then you move up one spot. So while we're there, there are bears are just swimming in the water right next to you. Yeah. Grizzly bear with her cubs, I mean, 10 feet away, paying no attention to you. So I, I was more interested in taking pictures than I was in fishing, but not because I'm a great fisherman. I, salmon fishing is very challenging. Yeah. My friend Tom is, was born in Alaska, so he's quite good at it. He's pulling them in. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I couldn't catch one. Uh, it was, it was, it was uh, really tough because it's a very uh, highly skilled thing to do. You know, you mentioned Jack London earlier. And I know, on your website, I noticed this very lovely Jack Loveland fr London phrase that goes, and I quote, you can't wait for inspiration. You must go after it with a club. Is that a right. maxim that you personally as a writer live by yourself? 
Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I write with the concept of something that, that I would love to read. Um, so I'm not, I'm not frightened by things um, that I go, wow, can I really write about that? But I would really love to read about it. So I think that, why not? So I, you know, I do go after things um, kind of boldly with my writing. Um, which I think, I used to like to think I do. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's and Jack London, it's, I mean, talk about a man with so many great quotes. I mean, you just Google Jack London quotes, and you could just, for half an hour, you could just read his quotes and just be blown away by just how great they are. Were you, in, did you read Jack London a lot when you were growing up? Did you, were you into him? Never, no, not at all. Um, I got into him when I started doing my research for my first book, because um, my character, personally, comes from San Francisco, so I was looking, and I knew Jack London, he spent, you know, he spent some time before that up in the Klondike, um, you know, he'll call a while, which was, you know, about the Klondike. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he was involved, he lived in San Francisco, he uh was in alaska so he was really i think a good inspirational figure in fact my book begins the first book of hope city begins with the height with the high school graduation that percy is seeing and jack london as the guest speaker and that sort of kicks him off with the whole you know inspiration of, of going to alaska uh and just you know seeking their fortune um when they're just kids now you mentioned Wyatt Earp. You know, you you said let me get this correct. He was in all three the Goldfield books, right? He's always there, right? In the Goldfield. No, he wasn't in book one. He oh. was in book two and three. But in book two, he, he's more of a presence than than book three. In book two, he uh, in 1900, Wyatt Earp did go to Nome. Yeah. He did open a saloon called the Dexter. Yeah. Uh, so he was quite a he was a figure then, um, and uh, of course. He's a, he's a great character to, to develop a story around. Oh yeah. Um, and him and him and Percy become close, and uh, and he, he does make a couple of cameos in book three. That's the thing about Wyatt Earp. I mean, he wherever there was wherever there was a gold strike or something like that. I mean, why did he go to end up in Tombstone? Because there was a, a, a gold or silver strike there. He, I remember reading he was up in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, when they had a gold rush there. You know. And then, of course, at the Klondike, he was there for that. So he was right. he was always seeking that. I mean, are you were you always fascinated by him in terms of Western history? I mean, did you ever explore Western history? Yeah, he's always a character that is, so you know, of course, the, the gunfighting OK Corral and his, and his whole background. Um, but he was always such an interesting figure. I mean, he was, you know, he was fortune in so many ways as well. He was a great lawman. Yeah. He, you know, and but he was always found difficulty in, you know, making a living. Um, and he struggled. And that was like his, his whole most difficult thing in his life was just trying to get ahead. Um, you know, the great he he, he played Pharaoh, which yeah. was uh, a, a game that's not played today, but that was like his game um, that he played. Um, he wasn't he wasn't big into poker like his you know Doc Holiday was, but um Farrow was his game and he brought that up to Nome and um you know so that was that was interesting to learn about him uh too is you know his his whole whole background his wife Josie too was quite an interesting character as well um you know she I, mean, I can imagine someone able to marry Wyatt and uh you know you have to be some vibrant personality and they had a really good marriage they were married to you know 
Yeah. You married her a little later in life, but they stayed together until his death. Getting back to Peggy Greenberg briefly, would it be accurate to say that Peggy, Peggy Greenberg may have been the the daughter that Wyatt Earp and Josie never, ever had? Yeah, I, yeah, that's how I sort of present her that way. Um, they're very protective of her. Um, so even though, you know, what happens in book two, you know, these, these all these incidents, they still protect her, though, they, you know, she obviously guilty. Um, so, yeah, so she is... Um, She's she's like like their surrogate daughter, but she's their niece, um, basically. Neil, please tell our listeners where can people find your books, this Denali and all of your books. Where can they find them? Well, you can go to my website, which is neilperrygordon.com, and you can see it there. All my books are are, are listed there. Um, I have all my books on Audible as well, um, so you can either get it an ebook, paperback, or Audible. Denali is being recorded now, as we speak. It'll probably be ready in a, another month or two. Uh, or you can go to Amazon.com and just Google my name, Neil Perry Gordon, and my books will come up there. Um, again, the, the Audible books or the paperbacks or the e-book. Do you, ever, do you ever have hopes or aspirations of, like, seeing one of your works translated, like, for TV or to, or to Hollywood? Have you ever made any type of an attempt at, at getting it translated into film? Um, we are working now with a screenwriter and a producer as we speak for Cape Known. Mm. So, yeah, so um, it, it's in the, it's, it, it's being worked on now. Um, and if all goes well and someone's interested in buying it and doing the pilot, you know, it could, uh, it could all happen. So, you know, this is all just in the works now, but, you know, nothing's, nothing's official yet, but, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pursuing it. Because Kate Noah is a wonderful story that could make a terrific series, but it's so visual. You know, okay. you, know, you, know you have the, the sweeping beach uh, with 30,000 people living living on the beach there, digging into this sand looking for gold. Yeah. Uh, and you have the wide earth and the three lucky Swedes and you have Russians there. And, you know, this is a, a lots, a lots of colorful things that you could do a wonderful series about. What I find amazing, Neil, is that in a three-year time span, you've been able to release nine books. Please tell our listeners and any aspiring writer out there, how are you able to maintain such a prodigious output? Well, I have to correct you. So actually four years. Okay. So my first book came out in 2018. Okay. Um, uh, and I started writing in 2017. So, um, but yeah, it's still a short period of time. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just write. Um, I, I don't. I think I write really fast. Um, I think I'm just a good storyteller. Um, yeah. And and I'm and I learned over time how to structure a novel. Um, I learned how to how to do it. Um, so and I like doing it. I already have a novel. Well, I'm working on another novel now, which will be out sometime this year. Um, and I, I already have in my mind the next one what I want to write. So I'm never at a lack for ideas um, for storytelling. I mean, Neil, get back to the idea that, you know, translating uh, your, your book, Cape Nome, into like a, t a TV a series. It, it, let's say through the grace of God, it becomes real. Do you have in mind, if you had your druthers, what actor would play Percy Hope? Do you have a certain actor in mind? It's funny you said that, because I was thinking about that today. I was going to start Googling, like, you know, young male actors in their 20s and try to figure out who it would be. But no, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't really... 
put that to, to thought of who who would who would be who. Um, you know, it, but it's it's I don't know. I just I want to think about it, but at the same time, I just want to look at the who who want who wouldn't want it to happen. Um, yeah. course, you know, it's a, it would be a dream come true. When I'm trying to have all the affirmations making it happen, you know, positive affirmations and, you know, and, and then trying to create that, you know, around me. So, yeah, I don't know. Who do you think? <laughs> well, I have, I'm, I, I wouldn't presume, Neil. I, yeah, I wouldn't presume. You're the man who writes the great story and all of that. Mm -hmm. um, you talk about your future projects. Can you give uh, give our listeners a glimmer? What will be the subject matter? Because you finished Goldfield. You want to come up with a new trilogy, a new time and place? Well, the next book is called The Education of Leopold Wolf. Mm -hmm. It's historical fiction. It takes place. Have you ever heard of the Carlisle School of Indians? In Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Oh yeah, absolutely, Jim Thorpe, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Right. yeah. This, is, this is before Jim Thorpe went there. This is when the school first started. So, my character is a young Jewish man with his father. They're carpenters. They live in Carlisle, which is not far from Gettysburg. So, right after the Civil War, you know, there's, there's a lot of literally reconstruction, not like the reconstruction of the South, but reconstruction in terms of rebuilding because a lot of a lot of things destroyed in Car in Carlisle yeah. So they're they're carpenters, they have work to do, him and his father. And they got hired by um, Captain Pratt of the Carlisle School to help build bunks for this new school that's about to open. Yeah. And so they hire Leopold or Leo and his father Isaac uh, to build these barracks and these cubbies and beds for the students that are about to come. And then as the school opens, um, he asks uh, Leo and his father Isaac to become counselors for the boys. So Leo becomes a counselor for the six and seven year old boys, and that's when he meets um, Chief Redshirt's son, William. Um, and he gets involved with the whole Lakota tribe. Um, and back then, they, they've been already pushed out of the Black Hills in South Dakota onto the Pine Ridge Reservation. Um, this is after, you know, after the Sioux Wars. And um, he gets himself involved with, with, the, with the Lakotas. And so he sort of travels from Carlisle to the Pine Ridge up to the caves and the Black Hills, and then ends up in Buffalo Bill's Wild West show um, and has his whole love affair with the senator's daughter, and it becomes a political leader. And so it's, a, it's, a, it's a, the education of Leopold Wolf. So this is the story I'm working on today. It's, it's, it's still in the works. I'm about 50,000 50, words in. I'll probably have the bulk of it finished this by the end of summer and published sometime in the fall, I'm guessing. Neil, I'm kind of fascinated by that. I mean, considering uh, if, if this is before Wounded Knee, which of course took place in December 1890 in the Ghost Dance War, which is of course an incredibly right. mystical experience, is it, uh, 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 would I be amiss in thinking there might be an involvement among your character with the Ghost Dance War? Is that possible? I don't, it's a little late, um, and I think I'm thinking of you know I, I don't want to be a be it a, a, a Lakota tale mm. um, because I'm I, you know I feel that I want to write it from the perspective of this Jewish man okay. uh, and, his, and his education. So he's very like Percy in many ways. He's very self righteous, mm. um, and he's very distraught of how the Indians are treated first at Carlisle, and then of course at Pine Ridge, and then he sees this ridiculous exposition of Buffalo Bill's Wild West show where yeah. they have him 
recreations of the stagecoach robberies and his whole things, and of course the Indians are always the aggressor. Yeah. Um, and so he's this is all very troublesome to him, and so he decides to to speak out about it. Mm. Um, and so he ends up. I don't know where really, really where he ends up yet. Cause when I write these stories, I, I don't write with an outline. I write with just an idea. So I'm not really sure where he'll end up, and um, but I have an idea of where 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 the story will go and how I'm going to get there. Do you think of this as a one-shot novel or a, or a beginning of another trilogy? I don't know. I don't know. It's so you know, it's so hard just to get one out. Um, it, it, you know, it's a lot of thought. So when you're done with one, it's like, oh, okay. Um, I didn't think of even the trilogy to be a trilogy when I first wrote the first book. And then when I wrote the second book, I wasn't thinking it would be a third book. But, you know, then, then the ideas start to come into my head. I mean, when I wrote Cobbler's Tale, my, my follow-up book was Righteous One. I certainly could write a third book and make that a trilogy, too, but I never did. Um, and when I wrote The Bomb Squad, too, I left room there at the end to do a, a follow-up to that book. But I, I'm like, I don't know, it's like, it's like having candy and I can't get enough. I want to try something different the next time. Well, I'll tell you, yeah. yeah, but I'll tell you this, Neil. I, I don't know if I ever told you this, but... Uh, I've always had a fascination with Native American spirituality. I have a couple of volumes like Black Elk Speaks and like uh, Leonard Crow Dog's books where he discusses, you know, because he was uh, he was a Lakota uh, from the Brule tribe uh, 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 from, of the Lakota Sioux. And he talks about N Native American spirituality and that of like the peyote cult and all of that. And of course, the ghost dance war was inspired by the ghost dance religion and all of that. I just, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, just it would be fascinating if you did explore this further and all that. I mean, it is kind of fertile ground when you deal with it. You know, if you ever read Black Elk Speaks, where he was there when the ghost dance yeah. religion there, and he saw a wounded knee. He he was an eyewitness to wounded knee and all that. It just, exactly. I don't know. I, 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 but that's you're the writer, you know. I'm just, I don't know. I'm just kind of curious and all of that because, but I've always had a fascination with the Indian wars and the ghost dance religion and all of that. Now I've been to those yeah. places myself, you know, wounded knee uh, and the, and Pine Ridge uh, uh, Sioux Reservation and all of that. So you said uh, the release should be was it Christmas time, Neil? It'll be this year, later this year. I mean, it's probably in the fall. But it, it, just one note, Black Elk is a major character in this story as well. Mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, so, he, so my, my character does have a lot of interaction with Black Elk. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Because he did actually in real life compete. I don't know if he was with Buffalo Bill, but I know he did some yeah. Wild West shows, did Black Elk. He did. He went with Buffalo Bill, and actually they went to England together because yeah. the whole Buffalo Bill show went to England and performed for Queen Victoria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Black Sitting Bull was part of it, that. too. Yeah, Sitting Bull was, too. Sitting right. Bull and yeah, several Lakota chiefs went. And, and when they went to England, they took their families with them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, when it comes out, Neil, I, I want you. I'm, I think as I'm kind of fully booked up for the rest of the year, but I think I think January. I'm still looking for guests. I could have you on for January. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. Absolutely, well, Neil. I wish you the best of luck. Be safe. Okay. Be safe. Thank you. You do the same. And you take care. Okay. Thanks, Matthew. You're welcome. Bye bye. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, for next week's show where I will be interviewing sports author Peter Croato. Thank you and good night.